Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind-the-scenes learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, inspiration, and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six-week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the waitlist, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. All right, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I am here with Ken McKenzie, our fresh victor, something everyone who enjoys a cocktail, mocktail, nice refreshing adult beverage um, is going to want to learn more about. So Ken, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Thank you so much, Ainsley. Good morning. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Ken, could you share with everyone what is Fresh Victor and why everyone needs to know about it? Yeah, Fresh Victor is an all-natural, fresh cold-pressed mixer that from inception was really intended to create a way for both industry and consumer to mix fresh, easy cocktails, whether it's in restaurants, bars, hotels, cruise ships. Or if it's in your own backyard by your swimming pool and you're just entertaining for a dinner party, we wanted to provide an easy solution where you didn't have to source all the ingredients and squeeze all the citrus. It makes so much sense for anyone who was like, the person like you, I know you started this because you were the guy making all the delicious drinks. And it's a lot of work to do all of that, right? Like making a great cocktail actually does take a lot of work. Or you're just stuck with a beverage that maybe not using the best ingredients or anything like that. Yeah. Coming from the tequila industry, and that's my background, what I was finding over the years was that there were a lot of tequilas or a lot of high-end spirits being introduced into the U.S. and Canadian market. However, when we were making cocktails, whether I was at a work event or situation or with friends at home, the one thing I was getting teased about relentlessly year after year was you realize it took you like four or five minutes to build that drink. It's delicious. And I do want another one. Yes, but, but it seems like it's a lot of work for you. And as I started thinking on this over the years, one of the things that really struck me was there was no easy one-step solution to the, this issue. It really was a situation where I was sourcing 
citrus and sweeteners and herbs, whether it was mint or ginger or whatever else that I wanted to muddle in there and making these drinks one by one. Perhaps at times I would batch them, but it was something where it was daunting or challenging. And as I talked to friends, what I was really noticing is they didn't want to deal with that at all. And so they were saying, hey, we're just going to pick up a mixture on the shelf that was a shelf-stable mixture, and hopefully everybody will be okay with that. So it was almost a challenge of how do you come up with a reasonable solution that's still fresh and still delicious that people would really enjoy and say that was such a great party or that was such a great drink at the cocktail bar in a bottle, like kind of lightning in a bottle, if you will. And it turned out to be a little bit more difficult than I anticipated. I thought, hey, if it's three or four ingredients, I can do this quickly. No, I couldn't do it quickly. It took me about a year and a half to two years to really just figure out the, the balance between the fresh cold-pressed citrus, the acidic element, and the bricks or the sweet element, how to balance those and actually put it in the bottle where you can use it right away. And now this is certainly not an easy feat to in terms of it being fresh, obviously having a fresh product and we need to have it taste great. We need to make sure it can ship it's the beverage. But then it's also that shelf life piece that is definitely a challenging feat throughout it all. How did you go about managing that? I know you obviously have a background in this industry, but yeah, how did you go about managing making this really last from a product quality perspective? That's a really insightful question. Most people don't ask me that. It goes straight for the taste. Yeah, that was an incredible challenge out of the gate. We do our shelf life studies here by me at UC Davis. And one of the biggest challenges and why people probably, not probably, most definitely, smart people won't do this <laughs> because you're just banging your head against a brick wall. The reason being that when you truly have a refrigerated product, that one of the most difficult facets of your business model is distribution. Distributors don't want to touch an untested product. They, they want profitability right away. They want to hear, hey, we're doing millions of revenue and you have nothing to worry about. We have the model all worked out. No kinks. We're ready to, it's a rocket ship that's already left the launching pad. Uh, for us, especially in the beginning, easily, we had a 45-day shelf life, mostly because we just hadn't tested it for a long enough period. We weren't sure what was going to happen. That 45-day shelf life isn't necessarily a terrible thing for, let's say, on-premise because they use it right away. For a consumer buying it at a grocery store or a liquor store or something, it's an incredibly short lifespan for something that they know nothing about. It's not like dairy or fresh orange juice that they know that practical application right away. So it was really challenging when we initially launched. What I did know is we were merely working against fermentation of the product. And short of us being in a jail cell trying to ferment it, as long as you keep it cold and refrigerated, it's with the cold pressed juices, it's high enough in acidic content where it's really naturally by itself it preserves very well. And so our shelf life with our large on-premise kind of food service bottles are 78 days now from date of production. You have a good lifespan on that. With the smaller bottles, we're at 120 days. So we're at four months for the consumer bottles. 
And that's a real advantage in the refrigerated space. The other thing is just strictly time. We've been grinding for a number of years now and people have discovered us. Once they get onto us, they want to share it with others, which is super rewarding. And yeah, we're finally to that point where the shelf life kind of matches up the demand. My gosh. Yeah, that shelf life piece is amazing. You've bended it that far. That opens up so many doors, I'm sure, and those hesitation from new places that maybe didn't want to take you, you're able to overcome those a lot faster. Yeah. And as an, kind of an industry facet to speak to that, we were really careful too. We our our case pack is comprised at food service of two 64 ounce handles, like fresh handles. A lot of times when you see consumer products like this, they're going to want to stick you with six bottles or 12 bottles or 18 bottles. That's a lot when you have nine flavors. I just, especially mm -hmm. initially, I saw people shaking their head going, hey, we don't have the refrigerated space for that. With a two-pack, it's exactly a gallon. It really gives the on-premise operators the ability to say, hey, I'll take three cases of each of five of your flavors. Yeah, that opens up a lot of doors for you. And so it sounds like there's been some trial and error through some of these pieces too, where you're like, okay, maybe we start with a larger piece size. And now we're like, okay, no, this makes it so easy for the person on the other end to say, yeah. Yeah. I think my biggest learning to that point was the off-premise Epicurean grocery space, where when we originally launched our 16-ounce bottles, we were doing that in 12 packs. And that's a bit much when you're trying to take on multiple flavors, stacking a shelf, a refrigerated shelf, especially that's desired real estate, if you will. And so we fairly quickly pivoted to six packs and it made a prodigious difference. We saw right away that people got really comfortable with that proposition. And for you, so you've got a big, you, you've got both retail going to the consumer and then you've got on-premise bars, restaurants, cruises, all the different things. Where are you finding most traction? And was that strategic? Did that, was that your intention from day one, whichever one, if there is one that is now taking off and, and really doing better than the other? Yeah, I'd love to be able to tell you like it was super strategic. <laughs> <laughs> day one, this is how it's going to go. Uh, it really is trial and error. You see where the product, where the various products land and how they're uh, received. And for us, the thing I can say unconditionally that was really rewarding was we're omni-channel. There's really practical application for us on-premise, restaurants, clubs, casinos, hotels, resorts, cruise ships, anywhere you're going to actually drink it on site where a professional is making you a cocktail and you're drinking it there. And then off-premise with the Epicurean growth and the, the ability to be shopping for all your grocery items and pull it off the shelf. And then third, and the most surprising to me in this time around was direct to consumer and how that's really changed over my adult life. First and foremost, being in the tequila space, I wanted nothing to do with direct to consumer. That scared me completely. Hey, let the Total Wine and More and Beverages and More and all the large liquor stores deal with that state by state. Like, I wanted nothing to do with trying to figure out that. With a non-alcoholic product and with times changing, whether it's the younger audience or the pandemic, or there's a lot of things that you can pin on this. Folks want things sent directly to their homes more and more, and they're willing to pay for it. 
which is shocking to me. They're like, hey, my younger, there's a 15-year delta between one of my cousins and I went to visit him. And he had four to five deliveries coming to his apartment a day. Target and groceries and meals and toothpaste. It didn't matter. It was just all coming to him. And I realized there's a real shift. And so for us, Ainsley, the direct-to-consumer facet of our business maybe comprises a solid 10% of our sales. It could go, during the pandemic, it went as high as 18%, where it's a really good channel. It's just a learning curve for me. And with non-alc, it's easy to do. Yeah, such a different ballgame, being able to do it with something non-alcoholic versus beer like shipping tequila absolutely i'm sure that you didn't even want to entertain it at all no no <laughs> yeah and in that cold chain facet that you were talking about with distributorships it carries over to direct to consumer there was a real learning curve for me there too because we have to ship this stuff cold to you and so that's not that's a whole nother layer of okay you've got ice packs and you've got this and you really have to realize no matter where it is in the country, at least in the 48 lower states, I have to get it to you within two days. And so yeah, that I have to learn yeah, how to do that. Such a challenge. Yeah. Once we got that algebraic formula down, it became a little yeah. bit easier, but it was still playing around with, okay, if you're going from here to here, how easy is that to actually do in two days? Are you paying more? Are you paying less? And once those learnings had occurred, it's really rewarding to see how much people want it because for us as a business strategy, we really tend to focus on where people are drinking cocktails and mocktails the most. As a generalization, you have to focus on those areas. And so there's going to be areas in the U.S. that you can't get our stuff at retail. And the only option is to order it online on our website. Mm -hmm. and That way we can get it to you. Okay, I'm just generally interested as a consumer what are the top locations for like consumption across the u.s like the top states or is it like just major metropolitan cities like i'm i'm curious sure absolutely i, I can tell you just right off the top of my head <laughs> california texas florida and then southern california las vegas to me is an, a direct extension of southern california there's some outliers of course new york is new york and and so that's right up there Chicago is an incredible <laughs> city. You don't want to turn, ever turn your back on Chicago. There's, there's so many great areas. The mistake that a lot of entrepreneurial people make is going out too quickly, too fast and getting in over their skis and saying, hey, I want to address as many markets as want the product. And you can't support said markets. And so if you're going to go out, you really need to be able to focus on how can I support these integral markets? Because that 85% of consumption will inform the other 15% or vice versa, that top 15% will inform the other 85. And so you really want to make sure that you're influencing the, the correct markets. That's really great advice there. You can't be everywhere all the time and not all markets are created equal. And that I think is a, a hard thing for some people to think about, but not everything, not every consumer is created equal along the way. And I wish I could, but you want to. It's really a fascinating exercise in critical thinking. 
when you have markets that are calling you and saying, hey, we'd love to buy your stuff. We're willing to pay for it. And you have to go, we're not there yet. We're not quite there yet. We hope to be next year or we within a time frame next summer. And that's a learning too. When I was younger, I think I used to make those mistakes a little bit more where I'd say, oh, this is a fantastic opportunity. And then I had people much wiser than I, advisors above me that would say, is it though? Is it really? Are you going to take your limited resources and really invest in that? Or do you need to focus on the core places you're at? So I've always said more of much more of a mile deep than a mile wide. You want to make sure that you nurture the markets you're already in. That makes a ton of sense and great advice there. For the markets that you are in, how do you go about getting people knowing about Fresh Victor? What do you guys do from a marketing perspective? Yeah, as corny as this sounds, a lot of it is really grassroots, right? It's the thing I can say, at least for me, and I'm sure a lot of my team and the people that I work with would share this sentiment, that the thing that I think makes us the most proud is when people taste it and, and they actually taste the product and that reaction and their fervent desire to share it with others, whether it's family members or friends, a lot of Word of mouth for us is people will try it and then want to send it to other people and gift it mm. and say, I found this. This is so cool. It marries perfectly with vodka, rum, gin, tequila, whiskey, champagne for mimosas, beer for micheladas, sparkling water for a low-cal soft drink, or just still water for agua fresca. There's a lot of ways to use this. And that's super rewarding for us. PR is another great facet. The more PR we can get where we have kind of success stories is great. I think for me, at least what I've seen over the course of my career is it's less about the traditional media, meaning billboards or magazine ads or trying to compete in that broad market where you have huge corporations that have almost unlimited resources that they can put against their brands. We really have to win on our quality and the fact that people love us. And that takes time. It just mm. takes time. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that time pays off, though. The fact that you have people just naturally wanting to share this with other people makes so much sense. And that makes every dollar that you guys put into figuring out distribution, getting into the feather retail, doing any sampling, it makes that those investments go so much further because then... I love it. I'm going to go tell five people about it. They're going to love it. They're going to go tell five people about it. And it becomes this beautiful trickle effect that is incredibly efficient. It's incredibly efficient. And when I look at marketing dollars where I really want to put it, I want to put it with our people. I want to put it with the distributorships and the accounts that are supporting us, doing programs, making sure that we can put advertising dollars or contests or whatever. We always want to be on table tents or menus if we can print menus. These sorts of kind of vehicles to make sure that we can just get some product awareness around what we're doing. Because that's really the hardest thing. If you go one-offs, if you're just store by store saying, here's a new item, where did that come from? The distinct advantage you have that is really cool is we tend to be placed in the spirit section and we're a cold pressed fresh mixer. And so we have branded llama branded refrigerators that will just magically drop into the spirits aisle where you have the tequila and the vodka and the rum and the gin. And people look at that and they instantly want to know, hey, what's this doing here? And if we yeah. can 
convert the staff, if we can let the wonderful salespeople, if they're actually proud of it and say, hey, have you seen this stuff yet? It goes with everything. It's low calorie because there's no preservatives. It's all natural. It's got a good shelf life. You can put it in your cart, mix it with anything that's in your cart or anything that you have at home. It's a really powerful message. Absolutely. And I love your strategy that you are really focused on like the most important people here, which for you is the internal advocates in a way, the sales rep in stores, the bartender, the people who are going to put it on the menu. These are your advocates for it. And they help push you out to so many different people versus even though you do go direct to consumer, one by one targeting a consumer is a slow way in some ways when you have the opportunity that you do have to impact the larger, I'm going to say influencer within your category. Especially with limited resources as an independent company. I think the word craft has been just absolutely overused over the last decade where, you know, it's really easy to slap craft or handmade or all these different, all the different terminology onto a label. And you have to, as a consumer myself, I ask myself, what does that mean? Craft like means that you're making a hundred thousand gallons at a time, or it means that you're doing seriously batch by batch. And we're in this position, this really unique position where the U.S. as a sweeping generalization doesn't do a lot of fresh product anymore. I was really encouraged, beyond encouraged. Really, people were imploring me to make this a shelf-stable product. Why? Because from a distributor standpoint and from a store standpoint, it's a lot easier to be able to keep something in the back warehouse for a year and a half or two years than it is to cycle through a code-dated product. And so that's the real challenge is we really are making this batch by batch in a craft way. Something I'm super proud of I don't, because it's so overused, I'm careful with the terminology that I put on the labels because I think that it's just, it falls short. It's wasted now on limited real estate on the label. So what I'm really trying to telegraph is, hey, you've got something here that I hope is fairly unique that you can enjoy in a myriad of different ways, especially looking at how we've all evolved. A lot of people don't drink these days because they've already done it. Because we're <laughs> in the first place, because of health reasons, because they're pregnant, because there's so many reasons not to drink in our society. And what I found, especially with my industry friends or family or whomever in the course of my lifetime has decided not to drink, is they were relegated during parties to have a bottle of water or a can of Coca-Cola in their hand. And they really felt ostracized to me, almost, hey, you're missing the fun part of the party. When we were able to launch this, what I found was if somebody mixes this with sparkling water and somebody has tequila in the exact same flavor, they're enjoying essentially the same experience. And where we really try to hit this home is experience. This should be celebration. This should be family and friends. This should be the ability to have fun together, whether you're drinking or not, whether it's cocktails or mocktails. I love that. It is. I mean... Drinking naturally is a way of like bringing people together. It just naturally does. And, and finding a way to, regardless of how you are consuming it with alcohol or not, don't bring everyone together versus you're right, making people feel ostracized. Um, it's such a beautiful piece, especially like 
why not still have a delicious drink, even if it doesn't have alcohol in it? Uh, there, there is no reason why not these days. Yeah, and my daughters are so proud of it. They mm-hmm. it, that means the that's everything to me. Like the fact that in the tequila business, which has been great to me, and I will always have a fervent love for that. It was not relatable to my young daughters. They didn't really fully understand it. Luckily for my 12-year-old and 7-year-old, their entire lives pretty much have been encompassed in Fresh Victor and they get it. There's nine flavors. They can mix it with sparkling water. They can talk to their friends about it. They want it at their birthday parties and punch. They All these different things where you realize you can share this with the entire family. Yeah, absolutely. Although I will say, I'm sure once they're teenagers, they're going to love the fact that you have the tequila inside. Oh, yes. No, don't you wrong. Yeah, and there's still that. It, it, essentially, in a nutshell, that's what the initial concept was predicated against, was there's got to be a better way to drink cocktails. And this mocktail thing has really come across in the bigger way over the last decade where I never thought 20 years ago that hotels would be saying, can you just build me a whole mocktail menu? Really? Yeah. Because they're charging anywhere from 12 to $18 for mocktails. I'm here. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I've got a question about something that you mentioned before. You had mentioned that a lot of people were pushing you to go shelf-stable. Did you ever consider it or was that just not really in your ethos and values of if you were going to bring something to market, you really wanted to do it like the way that you have? It's such a great question (laughs) and not something that I don't really need to think about too long. Yeah, throughout my entire career, one thing I was taught at a young age was stick to what you know and what you believe in completely because that's where the passion lies. If people see you faltering on your mission statement, if you're easy to influence and it's like, hey, I'm going to go chase this shiny thing now, it's hard to say, hey, this guy really knows what he's doing. So for me, I've had a lot of people come to me over the years and say, hey, you should be making this flavor or this should be your ingredient. It shouldn't be this. It should be that. Or is there any way for you to change it and make it with absolutely none of this or more of this? It would be really easy to consider completely pivoting and saying, oh, yeah, let me chase that down and see if that works well for us. But you're really doing a disservice to yourself and your consumers because what you've built or what you've actually created cannot be completely changed year over year. You need to really find, hey, is what I'm doing meaningful? Do people really want what we're offering? And the sweeping answer is, yeah, to make it shelf stable, I could easily do that, but it would be a me too product. It would be exactly like everybody else. So what would make me any different aside from maybe a flavor profile or two? It's not a good business for me to be in. And especially in the early year, the first couple of years, and maybe even moving into the pandemic in 2020. I had a lot of people say, this would be so much easier, or we would buy so much more at a time, or the shelves would open up for you, or all these different things. And that is a very short-term strategy as opposed to a long strategy. It's not going to work out. I'd much rather you buy this for years and years for the rest of your life than do you buy buy it once or twice because you want to see what it's all about. 
Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense when you write. It's a great long-term vision for it, which is really key. I think. I, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's what I find is when people get onto us, they're very loyal. And, and that's what really makes me feel great and makes me feel like what we're doing is really making a difference. There's a lot of mixers out there that preceded us that don't really have a loyal following, especially when you go to that dry shelf stable aisle. And I find that those people more often than not will say, what's new or what's different or what came out this year or whatever else. There's not like this sense of, I always get this stuff. With a fresh offering, at least you're in this arena where you have the ability to say, hey, we're doing things this way. And if you appreciate that, or whether it's for our ingredient panel, our clean label, the all natural positioning, the lower calorie, because there's no preservatives, the flavors that pop because it's actually fresh, they'll stick with us and they'll tell other people about us. And that's the kind of way I think at least to build a business. 100%. I think that is really sage advice for everyone. So much sage advice in here in terms of sticking to your values, really focusing in on quality and figuring out all the pieces. And um, yeah, just so many great gems for, for everyone. As we wrap up, is there any other um, kind of parting advice that you would want to share with anyone who is thinking of going into a, a fresh product, like going into that industry? I talk with a lot of different shelf-stable products. It is a totally different ballgame. So mm -hmm. yeah, any guidance for anyone who is in that industry right now or looking to go into that? Yeah, it's it's a long game. It, it, it's absolutely worth it. The fact that in your heart, that's what you want to do, that says everything to me. That, and it says everything to your audience that mm -hmm. will, will want to purchase it. And so first and foremost, congratulations that you're that type of person. The long game meaning... With a finite shelf life and a code date, you're going to find probably, especially in the beginning, that you're, there's going to be learnings and there's going to be potential mistakes made and there's going to be, and a lot of these mistakes won't be you. It'll be third parties. It'll be logistics. It'll be distributors. It'll be the actual account that didn't realize it's been in the back for three weeks. There's all of these variables that you're dealing with. And in that sense, you have to be prepared for the fact that you may be throwing out more product than you're actually selling in the beginning. And that can be really discouraging if not just completely extinguish your entire enthusiasm. And you can't let it. You got to realize that, hey, if you're getting a lot of positive feedback from industry and consumer because they're saying this is fantastic all the way through, then what that that part of that algebraic formula that you have to get really falls within figuring out your distributorship, your accounts, and the way to actually get it to these people. And once you can do that, you'll probably be in a pretty good place. I love that. That's super helpful for everyone. Ken, if anyone wants to go and find Fresh Victor, wants to make themselves a mocktail, wants to make themselves a cocktail, agua fresca, whatever it may be, where can they find you? Our website, www.freshvictor.com. And you can order it online or we'll let you know where you can buy it. But that's the best source. And then you can also follow us on social media, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, we're doing regular postings. And so we're always updating our audience to what's going on with Fresh Victor. 
Perfect. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ken. And also thank you for putting an option like this into the world. I think a lot of people, including myself, really grateful to have a great product like that because mixers out there right now, like I just honestly, I wouldn't even touch them. Like I wouldn't because of the artificial piece to it and the lack of fresh quality. Why would I want fresh juice? But then when I go to make an alcoholic beverage, it's going to be full of other stuff. Thank you for putting such a great option into the world and looking to continue to watch you grow and wishing you tons of success. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. The, the kind words mean the world to me and I can't thank you enough. And I'm a huge fan of what you do and what you bring to the public. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ainsley. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the waitlist at foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com. Catch you next time, food friend.